Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we begin the Silver King's letters entitled Dearest Ones that he wrote from northern France in February of 1945. It's still cold and it's winter. As he writes to his family on February 1st, 1945. Dearest Ones, Last night was a blank, but tonight brought me what I was looking for, the very sweet letter of yours of January 15th. This is the most up-to-date letter so far, and it's swell receiving all the news. Undoubtedly, a plane sneaked through the bad weather, for which I'm thankful. I'm so thankful you're receiving my mail now. I knew you would as soon as the restriction was lifted. I was afraid you would think I wasn't writing, and I don't want that. I'm sure as soon as the weather breaks, they will arrive as regularly as I write. It's funny I haven't received the letters from Leona and Lena. I suppose they didn't make the same plane. Gee, it sounds like you all were having a marvelous time. I can imagine how happy you were to have the house full of company again. It seems so long ago that we were all together. I can hardly remember what it was like. I feel as though I've been in the army in France for ages. Even the memories of the States are becoming faint. I'm so thankful Margie and Leona are well. I'm sure the rest Leona got while there did her a world of good. I only hope she won't go home and wear herself out again. If she trusts Margie's nurse well enough to leave her, then she shouldn't have too much work to do. I'm waiting anxiously for some pictures. I hope you won't disappoint me. Well, the news is still looking good, thank God. At this writing, the Russians are 40 miles from Berlin. With a little luck, they should be there in a week or less. Then things will begin popping and should come to a head before very long. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for old Joe Stalin and wish him Godspeed. I'm sorry you haven't received my letter of Paris. It should be there soon, so just be patient. You mentioned receiving my allotment check. I hope you kept it as I asked you. I'm glad you have sent me some stationery, but so far I haven't received it. As for a request, please send the usual foodstuffs, cheese especially, and canned chicken. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly, hoping you are well and not too lonesome. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. As Stanley writes to his family, he, of course, is wondering how everyone is doing and anxiously awaiting photos of Margie and Richie, and more food, of course, and still able to comment on the second front as the Russians pursue the Germans into Berlin. And Stanley is able to acknowledge that 
one evil man, Joe Stalin, is pursuing another evil man. As he writes to his family on February 3rd, 1945, Dearest Ones, I received the letter from Leona and a package from Lena tonight, but nothing from you, which is always disappointing. I'm so glad Leona enjoyed herself as she did and that the weather was nice for Richie. She said all you did was shop and all they did was eat. With this setup, I know you were in your glory. Also, sounds like you went to some swell parties. I don't have to tell you how much I wish I could be there also. It's been almost a year since I've seen the kids, and it seems twice as long. I guess this year Richie was big enough to keep Lee occupied. Maybe next year I'll be able to secure the position. Finally, the weather has changed for the better. The sun was shining warm and bright, just like a spring day. All the snow has melted, and the ground is a sea of mud but the warm weather is welcome. It's funny how each year during spring my mind wanders back to the days I was at school. That was a few years ago, and yet it seems only like yesterday. I often wonder what I would be doing now if the war hadn't come. One thing for sure, it didn't detour my road to success, but more or less delayed the embarkation. I can only hope that by this time next year, I'll be well down that road. With the pretty weather, I took a long walk today, and I enjoyed it but would have much preferred it had I been strolling on Clearmount Avenue. It's Saturday night, and I wonder who is having the game. Anyhow, I hope you're enjoying yourself and winning lots of money. Please keep well and keep writing. I'm fine in thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Stanley continues to enjoy the family news from the States. And at the same time, he's a bit wistful about his school days and thinking, of course, about what may be ahead after the war. And it's important to remember that he's still 21, and hopes to make it home. As he writes to his family on February 4th, 1945, Dearest Ones, Thanks so much for the five letters I received tonight. Each one is more wonderful as they arrive, and I read them all over and over again, just as though each one was bringing me a special message but of course, each one does bring me a special message in that it tells me you're well, and knowing that I can ask for no more. So, dears, thank you from the bottom of my heart for writing as regularly and faithfully as you do. Your letters are dated from January 7th to January 12th, and then it jumps to one of January 20th. In this last one, you mentioned receiving nine letters from me in one week. I'm glad they are finally getting through. 
I'm really getting a thrill out of all you're doing with the kids there. You must really be having a picnic with Richie. Thanks loads for the pictures. I think they are absolutely adorable. Richie seems so big I hardly recognized him. He's really a handsome kid. As for Margie, it's difficult to tell much, but it is a cute picture. She seems to have such big eyes. I hope they stay blue. Please try to send me more, and I'll make her my pin-up girl. Thanks for sending the packages. I shall be looking forward to them. I do hope you included some stationery, and if you didn't, please send me some as I'm almost out. And dears, please don't worry about the cold weather affecting me. Knock on wood, I haven't even had a cold in many, many months, and now that the weather has become nice, I think winter is just about over. Today was a real spring Sunday, and how I wish I could have been home. This is definitely not the time of year to be away from home. This afternoon we had spring cleaning in the barracks. Some colonel from the higher brackets is expected tomorrow to inspect us. I never thought the army would take the time to make an inspection, even in a combat area. Thank God some of us are fighting the war and not just making a nuisance of ourselves instead. I know the kids are leaving tomorrow and how much you'll hate to see them go, but I still hope you won't be too lonesome. Try to remember that each day we're away from you is only one day closer to the time we'll all be together. And please keep well. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you. Stan. During the king's first February week at A72, he writes on his steady themes, which are, of course, he loves hearing about the news from home and hopes for photos, and he needs some stationery and the ever-growing need for more food. As he writes to his family on February 6, 1945, Dearest Ones, the old mail is still coming. As far back as October 24th, that was the date on your letter I received last night. There was also a package with it containing candy and salmon. Of course, any mail at all is very welcome, and I do thank you for it. I suppose there is still more moving somewhere around France looking for me. Yesterday, while straightening my clothes, I discovered evidence of mice having made nests in there. They have succeeded in eating a large hole out of the lining of my trench coat and also a hole in the bathrobe you had sent me. It made me sick to find my clothes in such a disgusting manner. I had no idea we were living in such adverse conditions. Thank God they didn't do any more damage, as if that wasn't sufficient to make me angry. We don't have any traps to do away with the menace, but I have my pistol, 
and I'll blow the menace to hell if I can find him. I was fortunate yesterday in receiving possession of a sleeping bag. Up until now, I have had to sleep between blankets, which didn't exactly keep me warm during the cold nights. I know that last night was the best night's sleep I've had since being here. In fact, it was almost too warm to sleep. I had a feeling I would get one as soon as the weather turned warm. That's the typical routine of the Army. Nonetheless, the bag is a real comfort, and I don't care now how cold it gets. I can't resist telling you this, for I'm sure it will give you a laugh. Some of the fellows have brought women back from Paris to be their mistresses in a nearby town. The stories they tell are extremely funny, but I'm afraid they wouldn't appear as such on paper. I'm not one of the fellows, as I haven't the money to afford such luxury, which I suppose is just as well. The weather is still warm, with a few showers now and then. The mud is difficult to put up with, but the warm air contrasts it. I hope you're well and not too lonesome. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Our hero, the king, as an extraordinary writer, is a wonderful storyteller in sharing the news of his day-to-day life. And some of the fun that he described happened when a mouse decided to find a place to live amongst his clothes. And the king was a wonderful dresser and was very specific and tidy about it all and very upset when uh, that mouse ate through his trench coat and, of course, He went looking for it with his pistol drawn. And he shared a little bit of news about how his buddies were bringing women back from Paris to live in nearby towns and be their mistresses. As he writes to his family on February 9th, 1945. Dearest ones, I missed writing the past few days. All of a sudden, I find myself without any time. I went into town day before yesterday and didn't get back until late. Last night, the squadron officers had a dance. My social life certainly picked up, and not being used to it has made me dead tired tonight. I went into town only to dress up and get off the base for a few hours. There isn't anything to do there. The cafes close at 930 and the total blackout made it kind of dreary. Luckily, I ran into Arthur Phillips out of pure coincidence. It was really swell seeing him again, but I hardly knew him as he has changed so much. He is definitely a changed person. Two years over here seems to have gotten the best of him. His whole attitude towards life in general is terrible. His morale is at rock bottom. Of course, all this is between us. Don't dare utter one word to anybody about him, and I mean no one. 
I'm supposed to meet him next week and will try to change him if I possibly can. We had our first dance last night, or maybe I should call it a drunken brawl. I don't know whether it was a success or not, but if it was, we shall have more. I had more than my share to drink because I was higher than a kite and I paid dearly for it today. I did have a good time, though, under the circumstances. Some women were brought in from a nearby town, and I never saw such pigs. There certainly is no comparison between these and the ones in Paris. As blind as I was, I still couldn't see myself dancing with any of them. However, the problem was solved when American nurses came in from a nearby hospital unit. You have no idea how good they look to me. Outside of the two Red Cross workers on the base, they were the first I had talked to since leaving the States. Believe me, there is nothing like a good American gal. A few of them were fairly nice-looking, too. One in particular was very cute. Talking and dancing with her was a real pleasure so much so that I have a date with her next week. I have a feeling that life here will undergo a radical change now. I received an old letter from Abluma May, written October 12th. It was an awfully sweet letter, which I shall answer very soon. She mentioned she had $4,000 to her name. Where did she ever get it? I also have a holiday package from Sylvia, which I must acknowledge. I was sorry to learn of Sam Phillips's and Alan Sachs's deaths. Arthur told me of it, and then I received the serviceman. I definitely did not approve of the statement concerning me in it. It would have been all right to say I was in the ETO, but that's all. Please, as a favor to me in the future, keep my name out of it. I hope you're well and not too lonesome. I'm fine and thinking of you constantly. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. Stanley's descriptive and often thoughtful writing compares and contrasts the difficulty of war for young men and women. He ran into his dear friend Arthur Phillips and described a what reads like a shell-shocked acquaintance. And at the same time, he's able to say, hey, things are looking up on the social front. I met an American nurse, and I'm feeling good about that. And that's how we'll leave it as we end the first part of The Silver King's Letters, Dearest Ones, from Northern France at A72 in February of 1945. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.